the things that come up in the first year of marriage, they also come up in every other, every other stage of marriage. What there is to do remains the same, whether it's the first year of marriage, the first year of having a child, the first year of retirement, the first mm. year of owning a business together, the first year of owning a house, the first year of he started a business she started a business like yeah. it's it's moving it, yeah so moving at any 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 change in form and circumstance episode 94 special guest allison armstrong newlywed lessons for every stage Welcome to the First Year Married Podcast, where we get real about building the marriage of your dreams. I'm marriage coach Kayla Levin, and I take newly married and engaged women from anxious and insecure to confident and connected through practical tips, real-life inspiration, and more than a little self-awareness along the way. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. As you heard from that intro, I have the amazing Allison Armstrong back on the podcast. I mean, come on. I feel like I'm just giving you guys a birthday present and you didn't even know it was your birthday because I didn't give you any teaser for this. So thrilled to be able to share an even deeper conversation than we got into the first time. I feel like the first time um, Allison and I were able to lay a little bit of the groundwork of some of the work that she does and how she's influenced me as a coach. This week, we really dig into it in a way that I know is going to be so valuable no matter what stage of marriage you're in. So I'm just going to be quiet and let you guys enjoy this amazing conversation with the marvelous Allison Armstrong. Okay, welcome back to the amazing Allison Armstrong. We are so thrilled to have you back on the podcast. Mm, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Happy to have you. Okay, so as we were speaking about before we got started, we want to make sure to focus on some of the unique dynamics that are going on during the first year of marriage. But as you said, some of those things can extend. So people who've been married longer, can you just sort of rephrase for us sort of why that might be important for them even to be hearing this? Let's say they're 10 years married or further down the line. Yeah. Well, okay. There's a lot involved. And so let me give you the highlights and then we can go back and visit things. Okay. Perfect. All right. So first you have some basic human instincts that interfere with (laughs) happiness and fulfillment and being in love and how much space we have to, to love. Right. So things that cause us to lose respect and admiration and affinity for our spouse, which then like shrinks the space to feel love for them. So basic human instincts that mess with that, like don't ask and don't tell. And that we habitually speak in a way that's not actionable, but we think it's communication. So that's going to start out at any point in life that's going to mess with us. And then you add the, what we call the ideal woman or the perfect person, right? Claudia Mm -hmm. talks about the perfect person in the Queen's Code. We use the term the ideal woman and the better man in our online curriculum. So we have these standards and ideals 
in our heads that mostly we didn't source them. We didn't choose them. We didn't decide to care about that. And many of them are cultural. And, <laughs> and so we, what happens is we end up with expectation that, I mean, the funniest one I'm, I'm watching and one of my daughters right now, <laughs> a man she was dating asked her to be his girlfriend. And so she's like, mom, I've got a boyfriend. <laughs> and, and she's being hit by her own and other people's meaning of that, that mm -hmm. this is what a boyfriend's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so as compared to the ideal boyfriend, right, as compared to the ideal husband, first year of marriage, we, we don't even realize that when we get engaged, we suddenly have new expectations of our fiance and of ourselves. Now I'm supposed to, and he's supposed to, and it, it just slips in. It just, it's like it sneaks in and then we're expecting that and judging the other person and ourselves by those things. So that happens at every, at every stage, boyfriend, engagement, marriage, first year of having a child, we're homeowners now, you're supposed to. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, we have a business together now, you're supposed to, and I'm supposed to, or we're retired now, right? We're supposed to, or you're retired, so you're supposed to. Right. <laughs> and there's all these ideals that um, aren't communicated except when they're violated, except when they're disappointed. And then they get communicated in a way that's really disempowering and not actionable. Goes back to that thing. So that's why I got excited. First year, anything. <laughs> First year, I mean, I, I'm turning 60 in a couple months. I have a whole new set of expectations of myself hmm. that I'm, and that I'm, I'm, I'm now supposed to be filling the blank. Really? Where did that come from? <laughs> so, so all those kinds of things we can we can touch on and how to root them out and what to do about. Them. Oh my gosh, amazing! And and I I love you know in, in any of these situations, the more awareness we have about what you're talking about, the more we can even if it's not necessarily set us set ourselves up to not experience it, but you recognize it right away, right? Where you have that moment of, you know, these ideas are kicking around back there. We don't even know they're there. Just like you said, we only notice them once the other person doesn't match the expectation or we don't match the expectation. And now there's conflict. And now all of a sudden we've noticed it. And with this kind of information, it can just like lower the intensity of that because we have an opportunity to laugh at ourselves and like, oh, funny that I just decided that that was a big problem, right? Like, where did that come from? So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. I love being able to offer this for, for our newlyweds. I think that probably, at least from the women I speak to, even in the very first year of marriage, there are already starting to be some of those niggling feelings. And sometimes they're even really scary. Like before we even get to the point of frustration or resentment, it can be scary, this idea of like, wait, no, I, I, I can't I have to ignore that, that I think he did something wrong. Like, I don't want to look at that. That's scary. That feels very threatening. So we're also kind of coming yeah, and part, there. and part of it is yeah, part of it is the myth that the first year of marriage, you, you're honeymooners, you're supposed to be in bliss, right? And <laughs> you're, if, and so if you're not, there's a big 
oh no, did I marry the wrong person? Did I mess up this relationship by getting married? Did I, uh, uh, and, and then since you're supposed to be in bliss, you're not supposed to tell anybody that you're really irritated by what your spouse does, right? Um, but, no, you can't tell anybody that because you're supposed to be in bliss. And, and then you, and you don't want to tell the other person because you're supposed to be madly in love all the time ever since you said I do. And to say, I'm really not in love with you right now because of this thing that you did, or I'm not in love with you right now because I keep expecting you to do something and I realize I didn't tell you about it. Can I please tell you if you want to agree to it? So yeah, it's part, part of what happens, and this is with because of having opposing instincts, like we're not just opposite distance doesn't mean just different. O opposite comes in the same word that means opposing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Enemies, opposing, opposite, right? And and I, when I, one of the things that's opposite from the very beginning is that what's normal for women is to marry a man who has potential. To marry a man who, you know, well, I can work with that. We just need to change this and upgrade that and get more of that and get him to stop doing that. No more of that going out with the guys. And we got to, you know, add this and take away that. And that's not how men get married. Men choose their wives from, I want this to be like this forever. I mean, and they have space, like, you know, like they expect certain things to get better over time as you get to know each other and work on it. They have space for things not being perfect, like intimacy, for example, for that to develop and get better and better at it. But they don't have an agenda for changing their wife. That's why they want to marry her, because they don't want to change her. And... <laughs> And then we get married and a woman has a new ideal that as a bride, she's supposed to. And it's some of the funniest stuff, Kayla. Like there are people who they didn't cook before and now they're supposed to cook. Oh my gosh. Uh, every, they didn't... every woman, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, and I, I work with some of the most like, you know, they're, they're, they're the ones bringing home all the money. They are the powerful, you know, strong businesswomen and they're like why do i care that i burned the chicken why am i even cooking chicken i didn't cook chicken two months ago it's so true with cooking yes yes or um now they're they've never kept kosher but now they're supposed to mm. right because just because right or um they they're supposed to entertain his his work buddies and why doesn't he bring them home. I'm, I'm the happy hostess. I'm supposed to entertain them. So you're supposed to bring them home so I can entertain them. Do we want to do that? No, but I'm <laughs> supposed to. Um, I, I mean, I knew a couple that happily living together, they got engaged and suddenly she thought she shouldn't have any piles. He'd been living with her for a year. He he knows she has piles of paper and books yeah. that like floors or shelves. He knew that about her when he asked her to marry him. He wasn't like, "Will you marry me if you stop having <laughs> piles of things?" But they got engaged, and suddenly she says to cook dinner and and clean up all the piles. 
it's stuff that like we didn't decide it just yeah. in there I, I call I call I call it dog hair and foxtails you know you don't go out into the wild with the intention of coming back with as many weeds stuck to your body as possible but it happens you don't sit down on a couch thinking I hope I stand up with dog hair on <laughs> the back of my pants right but it happens and that's how these expectations are mm. we we didn't decide to have them we <laughs> I just I want to take a second on like how I guess I'm just it hits me emotionally the way that you're describing the difference, meaning I, I know the female side. <laughs> I don't have any trouble relating to that. And we do it to ourselves and we do it to them. And it's it's so exhausting. And when you talk about how the men come, men generally come into the relationship from a place of just like acceptance, I mean that's profound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The they the biggest difference, oh this this will really help. This will really help because it's gives you something to do. So what we've noticed in the area of commitment, men get accused of being a commitment phobic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're not, they're actually naturally committal and they approach commitment from, you could think of it like scooping up, right? Like, okay, I'll take care of this. And, and in this case, it's I'll take care of this person. Uh, okay, so it's my job to make sure she has what she needs and have her be happy and help her fulfill her dreams if I can. And and she's okay, she gets really upset about that and she's really picky about this and she has a big reaction to that and she loves this and I don't know why she cares about dogs so much, but okay. And they just they just take the whole package. They just they just scoop it up. All right, this is my wife. And if somebody says something about it, they're like, oh, yeah, but that's just how she is. They, mm-hmm. That's just how she is. That's just how she is. And they, they literally buy the package. And as a woman, we can feel that. We can feel that we have been bought. We can feel that we have been accepted. We breathe. When that happens, when he tips over before a proposal or anything, when he tips over into... I like you and I accept you just the way you are. We feel it, even if we don't register it, it mindfully. And what we found is, again, opposite sexes. And this isn't something to be, to berate ourselves for, right? Or think that it's bad or worse or they're better. It's, it's something to, to become aware of and take action on. And that is that women... Women tend to commit one acceptance at a time. So all the things, yeah. So what's interesting is a woman, a woman can become more married over time, or she can become n- no more married than she was. Um, when I talk to women who are engaged about this, or when they're with someone that they're hoping to spend the rest of their life with, that their job is to have their eyes wide open, due diligence, like you, like if you were going to buy a house, you'd have it inspected, not because you need a perfect house, but because you know you want to know you're going to have to replace the plumbing, right? <laughs> you want to know you're going to have to do these things. 
and that that's part of the acceptance is okay he struggles with this right he he tends to overwork and he forgets to eat <laughs> he may do that for the rest of our lives okay right I, um, about a, it was about a week before greg and i got married i suddenly noticed that he had gained a significant amount of weight and and then I like replayed in my mind conversations and pictures and realized, oh, I, I, I met him at a low point. <laughs> mm. I met him at a, at a super fit, super paying attention. And that's not his norm. Oh, I'm about to marry someone who struggles with their weight. I've always struggled with mine. My mother struggled with my stepfather's. Oh, I'm not going to make his weight my business. I'm not going <laughs> to struggle with his. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. But I, but wide awake, right? Yeah. Even though I awakened to it a week before we got married, right? Wide awake. Okay. This is what goes with him, right? And cars and motorcycles and, oh, Oh, there's always the next car that's going to make him happy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a car guy. That's what, oh, oh, I didn't figure that till like 20 years in. <laughs> but my fantasy that this is going to be the ultimate car, right? I like, I like to own paid for cars. Uh, my fantasy <laughs> is never going to happen to him, but it took me two decades to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And, but it's, so if you, if you look at the things that you're thinking you're going to change about him, you're wanting to change about him, okay, ideally, you'd get everything you wanted, but do you, do you have to change that about him? Is it unbearable? Does it cause you to lose respect and admiration for him that he does that, that he has that behavior um, or that attitude about something? Those are things to talk about. Things that are just preferences, you can talk about it, but not as a should. I mean, is, is there anything you'd need to do that this way? Because I really prefer it this way. And it, if you could do it this way, I, wow, that would be awesome for me. <laughs> would you be willing? Do you need anything for me to do it? Instead of, why didn't you do it like that? I've told you 12 times. I like it like that. How come you still don't do it the way I like it? Don't you care about me? Don't you respect me? Don't you love me? Which is what we do. That's where we go when people don't meet our expectations. Wow. So acceptance, one acceptance at a time. That's how you get more married. And I know women 30 years after their wedding, they're no more married than when they said I do. Because they didn't really say, into, I do. Right. Go ahead. I was just going to say that this plays right back into what we were saying in the beginning, which is that all of these things that you can set up consciously in the beginning, you know, where in some, in some ways the, the first year of marriage can be a container for having that extra focus, if we choose to use it that way, of making all of those, like we see something coming up and making a conscious decision. That's my guy, right? Like... I'm making a decision that I'm buying into that. But like you said, in the beginning of this conversation that 10 years down the line, we can still do that, right? We can still make that shift. Well, also because 
um, I forget, Kayla, if you're familiar with the stages of development from yeah. Keys of the Kingdom or the Amazing Development of Men. I am, but the listeners so, are. Unless they're my clients, the and listeners. then I made them listen, read the book. <laughs> and then you made them listen. So the other thing is, we nobody got married to a fixed object. And men and women, we, we're seeing more and more, go through stages of development that are out of our control. They happen to us and they affect what we're focused on and they affect what we care about. And for, for example, about six months ago, I heard myself saying things that I recognized from my study of men, elder men say. Men who've transformed from being a king into an elder, which is a, it, the way elders describe it is beyond ambition. It's a different way of sorting what's worth doing, right? Everybody's always sorting what we call the worth it calculation, what's worth doing and not worth doing. And it's a big source of conflict because a lot of things that are worth doing for the peace they give a woman are not worth doing to a man because it wasn't disrupting his peace in the first place. <laughs> But they're worth doing because it disrupts her piece if she can communicate that way. But we're always calculating what's worth doing. And it's it's usually not, again, it's not at the level of awareness. It's instinctual in order to conserve energy. And so as we go through these different stages, the worth it calculation is weighted differently. And for example, as a man becomes a king, and and I'm uh, I've been interacting with men about this lately, intensely, as a man becomes a king, it's no longer worth it to please people. It's no longer, people's approval is no longer worth what it costs. So it's part of being a king is they stop doing things that appease other people. Now, this can be really upsetting to the other people who are used to being appeased, maybe for 20 or 30 years. But even as a woman, what's worth it? So as we, relative to menopause, for example, there are parts of our brain that are turning down and others that are turning up. And um, and so the care and tend part of the brain that Luann Brizendine talks about in the female brain, which I strongly recommend, um, the care and tend part of the brain shuts down. It contracts, it turns off. And that it being worth it to pay attention to other preferences, to make them a cup of tea, to you know, make you a pot of soup. The compulsion to do that isn't there anymore. So doing those things is a conscious choice because of it's worth it for a different reason. And I mean, all of these things happen, right? So we're going through stages and changing. They're going through stages and changing. Then there's life circumstances that change us. So that that acceptance, that facing it, instead of thinking this is a temporary misbehavior <laughs> that I'm going to get to go away by complaining about it <laughs> very loudly. No. Okay. This is, it's like watching children, right? Children are allowed to go through stages. Oh, they're at this stage now. Well, do we allow ourselves to go to those stages? And then 
adapt and accept and okay so I understand you're at this stage now and so there's less of this that I can expect of you and more of this you need from me and there's this thing that isn't all right with me I'm really no <laughs> no when you do that I actually think I'm better off without you and that's bad we need to talk <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that when we're thinking I'm better off without them or they're thinking they're better off without us, we're in deep trouble. And, and, and the step before that is thinking, gosh, it's hard to get this from them. Something we need that's too hard to get. Something we need that's too hard to get then becomes something we give up on getting, which then ends up at I'm better off without this person. And sorry. Continue. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I just want to yeah, understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cliff. I'm talking about a cliff. This is how we approach a cliff. And we can approach that cliff in the first year of marriage. We can uh, I know someone who's on that cliff in the first year of having their first child. Mm -hmm. It's heartbreaking. Right? They're not even living together. Right? Because yeah, because changes in circumstances bring this stuff up. So go ahead. What were you going to say or ask? Yeah, I was just going to ask that. I, I mean, I know that when I learned about the way you teach the stages of development, which you're referring to here, that there were a lot of things that I probably would have thought this isn't okay for me. But when I had that, that paradigm, and I was able to see that he's in a certain phase of his development and, and understand that he's, mm -hmm. you know, working so hard because he's trying to provide. And he went through a really classic, you know, early prince of just throwing himself into career after career. <laughs> and it was so painful, so yeah. painful. We were oh, so God. highly unemployed yeah, for, for him and for time. you. And, and, um, and I've had clients in the, in the same scenario. And I'm like, I just, I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. And, yes. but when yes. you have the paradigm, then you're able to say like, okay, well, that might have, without that paradigm, that might have felt like this is an unfulfilled need and I might be better off without you. But when I understand that this is your development and this is what you're going through, it completely reframes it. So yes. how does a person distinguish between this is a need, a deep need that's being, that's not being met and I need to understand you better. Maybe I need to get like clean up my own thinking about this and start to mm -hmm. question why I'm making this such a big thing. Maybe it's one of those, you know, we call them manuals, but you call it the perfect, perfect man, ideal man, right? Like, or maybe, maybe it's one of these mm -hmm. expectations that I had built in and I can question that expectation. So how does one distinguish between, between those? Well, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I think one of the most important qualities for anybody who wants to have an extraordinary relationship or be an extraordinary parent is curiosity. Mm -hmm. And it, it, and even curiosity about yourself, right? It comes from the Greek word that means to care. Um, but I, I'm going to add to that, be suspicious. <laughs> be suspicious about your own interpretation. Be suspicious about the meaning that you assign to something. Oh, he does this because he doesn't respect me. He does this because he doesn't care about me. He does this because he's whatever quality you're going to assessment or judgment you're going to assign. What if that's not why? What if we're usually wrong? 
and think about and think about the people in your life who decide why you do what you do and they're wrong and they're not willing to verify with you. Okay, so there's this thing you did and it hurt my feelings. And what the words in my head said was that you did that because you don't really care about me. And you don't really care about me because what's wrong with me is that I'm not smart enough for you. That's what it said. And I'm suspicious. <laughs> so would you be willing to tell me why you did what you did? And if you're willing to be wrong, that moment, like it seems like is a, is a really good word. It seems like you don't care about me when you do that. Really? Oh my gosh. I do that because I care about you. Really? What are you paying attention to? Well, I need to protect you from being too tired. That's why I take you by the hand to go to the bed, go to bed. Oh, I think you're trying to control me when I just want to stay up. <laughs> you're treating me like a child. No, you just get so tired, honey, and then you're and then you're not happy the next day. And so I'm just trying to have you be happy. Oh, okay. Well, if you did it like this, that would work better. I wouldn't feel like you were my mother <laughs> making me go to bed. Right? I mean, this Greg used to do this. It felt like he was making me go to bed. Now, years later, we figured out I have a completely different chronological rhythm than he did, and just so funny That's but <laughs> oh gosh the power of when if if you if your people want to do something powerful um the power of when quiz.com um dr michael bruce he's on to something really amazing and it, it changed my life and um greg and i literally the hormones in our bodies to tell us to wake up to tell us to go to sleep to have us be focused to have us be sociable to have us want intimacy, they were happening on opposite time schedules. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to get him to do things on my chronorhythm and he was trying to get me to live my life on his chronorhythm because he thought it'd be so much better for me. Right. <laughs> and he didn't he's even tired, know so that he's it sending it came. to bed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, yeah, so there's just so much to understand about each other. And that's what I mean by be, be curious, but also be suspicious because the, the natural thing to do is to project onto another person. They care about what I care about. They need what I need. They like what I like. They feel loved the way I do. They want to be approached for intimacy the way I do. They feel appreciated the way that I do. They feel supported the way that I do. And just from basic human instincts, we found that to mostly not be true. Okay, my friends, that was part one of our conversation. And I cannot wait to share with you part two next week. So make sure you tune back in. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, please make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss that episode or any of the other awesome things I have coming your way. And if you gave it a listen and you wanted to share any of your thoughts, I love it when you guys tag me over on Facebook and Instagram. I'm at First Year Married so I can see what you're taking from this and give you a shout out. So have an amazing week, everyone. See you back here next week with part two. Bye-bye. <laughs>